good morning and good evening lisa how are you i'm doing super well thank you mark how are you doing over there in the uk oh very well very well so um we are now sort of just got just past mid-February. We haven't had a podcast since the uh, end of last year. So we've had Christmas, New Year, snowed here. It's raining here now. We're still in lockdown. You guys seem like you're having a big party out there and it's, COVID hasn't affected you. It's incredible. Um, so at least very quickly, and you've, you've just come in. You're on Friday evening there. We're on Friday morning here. You've just come in after a, a, a team drinks um, so we'll come into we'll, we'll get into the subject of where you're working now and what have you in a minute. But tell me about having going out for drinks with a team in a pub environment. What's that like? I know I kind of almost feel a little bit guilty, and I've been very very conscious not to um, rub this in anyone's faces. Is that yes, it was really nice to go out on a Friday after work with the team for a oh my goodness we made it drink. Um, so yeah, it's great. Like, all the bars are open here anyway, which I guess you'll know. That's amazing. And I, I can't imagine where you are in the UK. I mean, it's weird, isn't it? How even though how busy it's, I've been the busy one, but you've been really hard to pin down for a podcast because actually working from home and being at home has been harder and more of a challenge for you. Um, but yeah, it was great. Um, so cheers to everyone. Um, we did have people who were, were, we had a few people working from home today and they made their own drinks at home. We sent them a recipe. <laughs> so we still, you know, we cater for the masses. That's really um, cool. I say, Lise, okay, we need to release this news now then, because um, yeah. you can tell us now. Oh, no, we, we, we already did it. We did it in the last episode. I'd already started, Mark. Your mind has gone to be a blur. Did, you well... spoke about <laughs> me heading up SGK in the last episode. Um, but obviously now I'm two, three months into the role. Of course. Sorry. Um, so how are you finding it? How are you finding me back in the corp- well, corporate world, the sort of the <laughs> team world? <laughs> Oh, I'm loving it. The people there are amazing. We have got some massive challenges, don't get me wrong. There's a lots of change that needs to happen. Um, it's now part of a big global business, but connecting with the other offices, um, it's been really good. And also just keeping it really, you know, we work with a mixture of challenger brands right through to the big incumbent brands. And so the mixture and diversity and even how to change up, shake up the team, bring in fresh talent, it's been actually really good to kind of see the potential that's in there and then talk and inspire people and kind of realize where we want to take it. Um, it's a really exciting space. It's, you know, it's, it's been tiring, challenging, but it's been great. I'm thrilled to have had the opportunity to work with. And how are you finding it working with the international teams as well? Is that giving you a nice perspective on, on again, a creative it's level? Great. And, it, and it's, it's part of a reason why you and I always enjoy talking to each other because we see the kind of creative world from different sides of the globe. So it's actually been really nice, like talking to you, we have a team in Portland, to see the different kinds of work that are going on. But also it helps us almost empathise with different parts of the world. And, you know, just like you and I talk and you realise, I mean, I've got um, family over in the UK anyway, so I know how bad it is. But it actually just brings it back to home. Like I feel incredibly lucky right now that Australia is the country that's conquering this terrible virus. Um and ultimately talking to different people around the world, it makes you realise what different people's challenges are. And that's our job, you know, to be able to empathise with people. Doing loads of work with um, Asian markets at the moment. So even brands from Australia that want to work in Asia. It's, it's actually finally working out really well that I worked in China um, and across all of those markets. It's really coming good right now to have kind of understood that, that kind of demographic and the different trends that are happening there post-COVID. You know, you and I are consumer trend nerds anyway. So um, so understanding like what's been, COVID has changed everything. What about this? I know you've been heaps busy as well over there. Yeah, I, th- I think the world has, it seems slightly different from honest. Uh, certainly when we're not going for team drinks after on Fridays. Um, they're still very locked down here. Um, I, I guess like most parts of the world, it does seem like New Zealand and, and Australia are leading um, in terms of pushing things forward and getting things back to normality. Um, I think only the other day, hearing the news, um, I think it's the BBC, were sort of referencing how Australia and New Zealand are doing a great job of getting their countries and economies back into sort of motion. And why, why aren't we learning more from them? So it's, it is, it's lovely to hear. And it's nice to, even just hearing the fact you've got eyes going to think, God, I can't wait for that to happen. Um, so, yeah, but for me personally, um, freelance work i think solid solid for the same client now since january in the freelance world you can you can have jobs that last two three days to a week to a couple of weeks to sometimes a few months i mean they do occasionally have gone on for years 
Um, so it's it's quite nice to have something solid blocked in for a few weeks at least, um, just to sort of get your sort of concentration concentration down into one area. And have you found, Mark, that you're having to work more within digital spaces? Because definitely the work that I see going through our studio and what we work with clients a lot more on is you and I have our background in FMCG and branding, but ultimately there's a lot more of the ripple through of marketing and how you communicate those messages to the outer world. We're doing so much more digital work or helping our clients move into digital spaces. Um, we've, I mean, we've also got the in-house video and photography studio, which is really handy and really helpful. But understanding how you move that to moving content, we probably talk about, um, like, obviously there's a lot more people moving online and wanting content for TikTok even. And even, you know, how they even generate audiences through things like Clubhouse, which is a new app that's, um, I don't know if you've heard about that one. Um, so there's all, all new new sorts of mediums that are opening up to us that's quite exciting to see. Yeah. Oh, there's loads, there's loads. And I, I, you're absolutely right. A lot of the brands that I work with uh, through my clients are exactly that, focusing on um, their social media campaigns. Um, and what is interesting, and I'm seeing more brands do this than ever before, is expressing themselves through moving content and knowing that um, billboard campaigns are something which they don't necessarily focus on so much. It's more about their online activity and what's happening um, how they can bring their brands to life through some form of sort of visual impact. And that's going to be often through something, even just a, move, a little moving logo um, can really help something. And that, that's a lot of, almost every brand now that I work with, wants that as part of their sort of package of um, creative supply to them. And we're even seeing more now from a, um, the big brand agencies that we're seeing, we're putting together at the moment a hype reel so moving content of, of work or campaigns that we've already done and stuff like that. And you've seen that a lot more. Even the big brands that we look up to, Pearl Fisher, JKR and stuff, they're doing a lot more where they're having to animate their own websites, which is not what they probably had to do in the past. Very true. And it's something that I'm you know, thinking about doing it myself, actually, the other day. I think, right, I've got all the, my sort of projects that I've worked on the last few years. I've got to sort of start to animate them. And it, it's not, I'd say, a, a part of our own specific skill sets is right, getting into motion and, and video and when we talk about strategy and stuff if we've we've have at least learned to tell stories so you can have people kind of help teach you some of the skills and there's a lot you can learn online but yeah it's a, it's a completely different arena isn't it oh totally totally but good fun at the same time because you do know you're transferring your skill sets into something slightly different it's a slightly different approach but nonetheless it's still using those same skills the world's the world in which we're living in um certainly within the UK, it doesn't seem to be changing very much, but it's lovely to hear that there are other parts of the world which are making this work. Um, vaccinations are obviously working and being spread out across the sort of globally now. So uh, that's where people are starting to get a sort of glimmer of hope. But nonetheless, right now, people are staying, still feeling pretty much locked in. And I think we've just, we've spoken before, working from home does present its challenges when you've got children and um little monkeys you can hear them in the background you'd never quite you never feel like you're quite focusing enough there's always as well we spoke about it before it's that and we've spoken about it recently because obviously you know like even though we're lucky in australia we speak to our global teams and covid fatigue so people just feeling yes. like at first you and i our first podcast was all about optimism and you know everything's yes. going to change and then 12 <laughs> well, months later it's like you know like it's still here so i think there's a level of, of covid um, tiredness and I think so. I mean, we are adapting. We are all adapting. But I think you're right. There, There's a degree of just, we want this over now. We want to get out. We want some form of um, freedom, being able to move. I mean, even in the UK, you're not, everywhere you go, you can sort of see signs saying, only leave your house if you have to for, you know, for emergencies. Brings us nicely onto today's topic, really, doesn't it? Boom. <laughs> Love it. Love that segment. We're going we're to talk about passion and purpose because a lot of people <laughs> don't like everything they were passionate about and what their purpose was has been questioned over the last year. That um, it, We thought it would be really good to start a new year. That was a little bit of a somber start, really, wasn't it? Like, say so we're still stuck in it. But let's talk about passion and, um, and purpose and how last year was very much a year of bold pivots, rapid change. I actually got, you know what, to kick us off, I've got a really nice quote today. And it was from Lenin. And it said, decades, nothing happens. And weeks, where decades happen. And so 2020 felt a bit like so many things happened within just one year. We had race riots, we had pandemics. But ultimately, it all sort of still felt a bit like a pause. 
And we're past the shock phase at first, the shock phase of a year ago, and now it's the norm. Um, but still different economic challenges and things are popping up. So I thought that was a nice way to talk about kind of, all right, passion and purpose. And what are we all here for? Yeah, it's interesting enough because we I was looking looking before about when our last podcast when we did on resilience and creative grit, which was back in May, I think, May 2020. And I, I guess it's a build on that, isn't it, more than anything. It's just to sort of discuss um, what our own passions are, what our own perceptions of passion is and how we then translate that into everything that we do. I did a little bit of a, all right, so passion is enthusiasm or excitement and it's quite emotive and generally a strong feeling. So passion for me is a love or hate thing. It's like, and you can feel either way of it. And then purpose, obviously we talk about it. Simon Simon's talked about it in terms of what is your why? When we talk about, I mean, we'll talk a bit more about brands and stuff a bit later on, but I think purpose will be something that's quite central to how we rebuild our world and ourselves after COVID. I think what now that the shock phase is over, people are kind of figuring out, and like you said, what was your passion before will still be your passion. It will just be probably brought out in different ways. And we spoke in of a um, podcast about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and all of those kind of things. Um, but I think in terms of passion, I thought it'd be quite nice to go, well, do you know what? Kick us off with a few things that you're passionate about, even if they've been challenged throughout COVID. I know you did a bit of homework. Well, we, we spoke about it, didn't we? And then we, I, sort of, I listed a few things. Now, when I start talking about passion, again, as much as I'm trying to relate it back to the way in which we work with brands and sort of translating um, consumers' passions in a brand. So I was looking at it from the two angles. So I've got my professional passions, let's say, and my personal passions. I'm going to run through this very quick list of professional passions or passions that have helped me, I guess, in a commercial aspect from a business uh, and financial interest, if you like. I don't want them to sound gratuitous because they're not, because um, they, they all have sort of strict importance to me. This is, so this is very personal. So passion for financial gain, and that's running a healthy business and making sure that you're sort of running in a sort of a profit to the best that you can. Passion for the product. Now that's also relating to try, you as an individual, certainly from a um, creative, trying to create the best user experience for, your, um, for the consumer. Then you've got passion for your industry or our industry and a link to that is passion for seeking out your tribe, um, work, looking for people who obviously have similar passions to you and you can grow together through your shared knowledges and understandings. Passion for growth, that's a simple one. That's just about wanting to grow and be bigger and better or better than you were yesterday. And then my last one here is passion for creating the best solution. Um, and this is where I guess grit comes in and the, the pe perpetual search for a better nine. Um, so that was just my, my quick summary of passion and it, there's a lot to go on there, but um, from a professional perspective, I don't know if you've approached it in the same way, Liz. No, they were really great, Mark. They were really kind of like the things that are career relevant. Um, and definitely I would say, because I, I, I also did it kind of more thinking about it from brand world. Yeah. And I thought about, in terms of passion, there's also a link back to commitment. And so I actually started when we said we were going to talk about passion. I didn't think about work. I thought about things I was passionate about and it all interlinks. So, you know, like if you're passionate about a football team, you follow them through thick and thin. So there's a level of commitment that comes with that passion. I love what you and I do. I love our industry. I love the fact that I know people joke and they when I, I can always remember years ago, people would go like, what do you mean you can change the world? I want to change the world. But actually, through what we do, design in some ways and some capacity, we all have an impact on the world. So if there's a ripple of ways to change it by working with other passionate people, I love to encourage people to do whatever they're inspired about. So actually, it's been really nice for me to be back in the studio and see some of the juniors and even some people who are learning new skills. And almost I, one of my passions is creative bravery. I spoke about it on other podcasts. I've done a talk about it this week, actually, and I've talked. To, um, I did a general assembly talk this week on strategy as well. That's another of my passions. Like I'm impassionate about not just creating beautiful looking work, but actually having a point and a purpose to that work. Yeah. And understanding the people that you want the design to communicate to mm -hmm. is really critical. Um, well, that, that why so that why I think making sure that you're when you're producing your creative work that I think you, as creators we, we're sort of. I think crowd pleasers, but we also want our client to be 
extremely pleased in the work we've produced for them. But if you know you've answered the creative brief, and I think in the basic basic terms, you want to knock their socks off in every possible way. And that's what we want to try and do. And we want to display our passion through doing that. Uh, I think that's probably what you were suggesting. Yeah, and definitely. And look, and I think sometimes even being... I'm very much about if you feel like something isn't right, also challenging it. So that's the whole creative bravery thing. So I actually think when you work in the strategic forums, like you're actually able to go back and challenge that brief before you just do what someone asks you to do. Like I know there's a really good um, episode with Chris Doe and people talking to him about someone comes to you for a logo. And actually your question shouldn't be, sure, what should I make it look like? But it should be, why do you need a logo? And that's when you start planting that seed in people's heads. Like I'm, pas- I'm passionate about asking questions so that the answer is braver and bolder than it could be and and what I've loved about having a team is actually scaring a few people to actually walk in and go do you reckon you can do more with that but in the right way to get people excited about pushing themselves like I love because I'm someone who I'm passionate about pushing myself constantly learning constantly evolving and sometimes that's been at my detriment one of my passions is I think one of my passions is health and nutrition. You're one of the same. But that actually feeds back into something about me that I constantly want to learn. I want to surround myself with people who are better than me as well so I can learn to be a better version of me. And so a passion of mine is never sitting still. I've got a little note on my desk that says, keep moving, be brave. Those kind of things are, I'm really passionate about pushing the boundaries about, then that's how we get out of things like a pandemic by people thinking, how can we move this forward quicker? How do we create new ways to connect online? So kind of getting into the head of the people you're trying to help and understand. I'm really passionate about that because I think that's how we do our job the best. And when you think about that also in a brand world, the ones that understand and constantly question the people they're there to serve will work better and will come out this more more powerful on the out, on the outside of it. But it did get it got me thinking a lot about what passion actually is and you know that resilience thing and the commitment and dedication were things actually was talking to a couple of the team tonight and they said oh it's kind of like if someone's nerdy about computer games or they're passionate about computer games it's something that you buy into you become a bit of a tribe and I think passions from passions come from belonging to something doesn't have to be a in a person thing tribe it can belong to something where you all follow the same like I'm passionate about smart cars after coming off a scooter practicing this week I thought that perhaps Maybe Vespa's are not my thing. And, um... So, hey, Liz, look, I need to touch on this because I forgot to uh, ask you about it the other day. Uh, yeah, I know. We, like, we didn't start with the how's your So, you fell off a scooter. No, I, I They're, I, they're I, virtually the I, safest I didn't just, mode of transport. I, what, what happened? I didn't just fall off it, Mark. I crashed it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was a little bit um, happy on the throttle there and I um, spun myself out and I'm a bit bruised up. It on, happens. On my, first, on my very first lesson, which was good and then. And impressive but you know like it, oh, it's dear. just you know what most people that I spoke to and definitely my mum when she went what have you been up to today and I went oh so I went for a scooter training oh how was it came off <laughs> why why does people aren't, people aren't surprised they're like oh, okay she tried that and so but well, I actually you had a go I mean, you give it you gave it a go exactly and that's what I'm all about having a go try it has it scared you are you going to go back on it again um, it's not. It didn't scare me. It frustrated me more than anything. It shook me up a bit at the time. Um, yeah. But I got. Do you know what? I got straight back on and kept going for the rest of that day. But I did well come done. home and reflect and go. Actually, on Sydney roads, maybe cars are a better option. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. A smart car is just about the same size as a exactly. scooter. So I, I don't know if it's safer. So, um, so yes. Yeah, so that was partly my. Way. But again, all of those things were. It made me think about the things that do fuel our fire and that we are passionate about. You and I have spoken before. We're quite passionate about exercise and fitness. So when you listen to things like, I listen to Tom Bilio and Impact Theory, and I am fascinated by the power of the mind being able to heal you or be able to make you more resilient physically and mentally. That fascinates me. Mm. The power of the mind. So that's something else. I'm passionate about finding out more information around those areas. You touched on something before, Liz, which I think is really appropriate. And it's funny, I've written down something very similar here. Um, in terms of passion and trying to help other people create and build their own passions, is as we're getting older, um, you get more gratification in seeing other people succeed and, and who follow their passions uh, in, in order to sort of gain success in whatever way that might be. And, and it's, 
I think it's very, a very strange thing. Ask me 20 years ago, it wouldn't have been something I'd have probably suggested. I like to see other people's grow. But now, any way in which I can help people um, develop and and even find their own passions. If there's some people, I guess, are a bit of a loss as a, well, I don't know, don't have a passion. I'm sure everyone does. It's just trying to work out what those passions are. And a bit like you, I mean, I wrote down by, what are my own personal passions here. And I, they're quite multi-layered, I guess, to a certain extent. But of those is exercise and how do I relate that to what I do in my professional world? And they all translate across one another quite well. And, of course, one of the big passions, which it goes without saying, is as a father, you always want to be a great dad and your, sort of, your children are always going to be your own passion and your family. Yeah, and you, like you say, it's a really interesting one. You do change as you get older and your deal breakers change. And look, we've always enjoyed what we do. So I think from a work point of view, you and I have always been very passionate about our industry and about the, what our industry gives back to other people through design. But then, like you say, as you get older, like I've started fostering a kitten at the moment, and I actually, I adore it. It's a really stupid little thing. But the fact that you... Yeah, it's not stupid, it's cool. But you're che- like this little thing that's dumped on the street and you're able to take it in and make sure it has a life when it otherwise had a life. I'm actually quite passionate about bringing through creative people who perhaps haven't had the opportunities you know like and that and I think a lot of your passions come from your upbringing or come from where you've come from and then how you connect that in the future I think another interesting point about helping people develop uh, uh, and grow um, which also helps yourself grow I guess to certain instance, is you um, relay back to what you learned um, when you were perhaps in their position be it that um, when you, if you're a junior designer, who are the creative directors that help you move forward? What did they do to help you? What did they say? The words of encouragement. And you almost want to sort of share that in some way. And I often do that, think back to some great people that I've worked with in the past, think, right, this is how they help me. I want to be able to sort of help people in some way. And I think you learn, you learn your own way of doing it. So definitely, like, definitely in this particular role, so previous creative direct roles, I've perhaps, there's definitely been one occasion when I've tried to almost because like I have also, you and I will also have had creative directors who kind of pulled you down a bit too, that you go like, oh, wow. Like I don't. And, and I, whilst I actually do see the world, if someone tells me it's in, the word impossible to me says challenge, it goes, you tell me I can't, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to work super hard. But I'm also conscious that I've burnt out with that mentality before. So I've crashed and burned because I've tried to overwork, to prove people wrong, to prove myself. And so... I don't want people to feel they have to prove themselves, but I do want people to rise to a challenge. And so in this particular role, I've been very conscious to not be too nice, to be nice, to be supportive and to be really open with communication. So people feel, I want people to feel they can come and talk to you and, and be open, but I'm also not soundboard for someone with like to create problems. We solve problems. That's our job. So that's where the kind of bravery comes in and that resilience that we talked about um, that I see possibly some of the kind of like the younger creators coming through perhaps haven't yet built up that resilience. I actually see this pandemic time as a really good time to build resilience because it's been really tough for some people mentally and physically, and, but it's going to teach people a level of, level of resilience that perhaps didn't exist before. Do you know, on the back of that, um, in talking about sort of resilience uh, and I think what's happened over the last year and it's become more astute watching people grow and develop and achieve great things in these sort of times of adversity and there are certain organizations that have just followed their own i guess for want of a better word right now their own passions and built on what they've created and made some phenomenal um gains and i guess growth um, and i've got just a few examples here of companies that i think have done really well um, through over the last few months and you, you can't help but admire them for it then some of them might be behemoths so I've, I've got a couple of big guns and a couple of not so big guns so I'm going to talk about so you've got Amazon for example obviously the online consumerism and the growth of that over the last few months unquestionably have grown it's fantastic to see and I can't help but admire it it's sort of they'll sort of diversify and do whatever they can to um, sort of grow their platform sometimes you might think is it a little bit dangerous and growing too big but it's just I love seeing it. I love seeing growth then another another example which I've got is Peloton I think we've spoken about this before actually I'm in reference to home workouts so Peloton now not just the, the indoor cycling community sort of they've, they've created they've now moved into the bigger world of uh, sort of the home gym community and exercise groups and combined their sort of 
online communities to work on treadmills now. So treadmills and sort of group exercising at home. Like you say, the brands, again, it comes from a passion. So their original passion was probably fitness and health. And then what they've done is they've watched the world around them and understood what the world around them needs. This is when, when we talk about purposeful brands, it doesn't just mean that you want to go out there and, you know, do all these like plant-based, super friendly. It's not about ticking those boxes. It's about someone out there had a passion for something that was your, you know, Pelotonia about health and fitness and well-being. And then they saw how the world was changing. So they took on board the consumer trends and the behavioral shifts and went, how do we pivot or how do we take our passion and create that into a purpose? So they're a real purpose-driven brand that have, they understand why they exist, but then they've been able to flex to understand why people need them. So they've understood their purpose as well as their reason for being there. Passion becomes the purpose. And I think they're, they're a really great example of a brand that's acted on their own self-interest, but then taken that and understood and been empathetic as to what the world needs. And that's why I think they'll continue to grow as long as they don't go to you know, like go off and to do something crazy, but um, you kind of want, you want them to try it. You want them to try it and take a risk sometimes. Uh, and if they, even if it does work for them, great. But and I've I've got some small examples, Lisa. And that I heard this phrase of the day, and I think it's off a um, one of the trends documents you had sent me. And it's a sort of article about micropreneurs. So um, it's budding entrepreneurs who are kickstarting new businesses and the economy. Um, I, I think it was a great little reference to people who are now at the moment who are stuck in there, stuck at home, um, looking to sort of grow themselves in some way, so creating side hustles, if you like. Um, I love this idea about people just starting their own business from home, but in a couple of years, these will be sort of great, bigger businesses. And the other one that I was having a discussion with um, family members the other day, and we were talking about the, he had a local business to him called the Posh Shed Company. Um, essentially these are people who've now moved into the home office in the garden space and they've changed their what were just sort of nice sheds into these are incredible outbuildings that people are using to obviously work into so sort of I, I love it I love the idea I've, obviously I want one myself too and they're quite expensive I think but nonetheless um, it's a company which have moved with the times that right what else what what are, what, what are we doing right now they've seen some ridiculous growth like something 400 or maybe no, 300% I think in the last um, over the last 12 months, simply just people wanting to sort of improve their homes. Yeah, and there's been some real good innovations. There was another thing, wasn't there, in that trend watching report about Panda Moment and how this we've turned a crisis into an opportunity. Um, and like you say, people kind of picking up on those kind of disruptive, it's a disruptive time, so now's the time to disrupt and it doesn't feel as crazy and scary um, and creating smaller pockets of time. Actually, I noticed the other day, what it's been really good for is reducing the time of meetings. So I, the one bugbear about taking a role in an agency is you sit in a lot of meetings. <laughs> because yes. people have been sitting in Teams meetings for the past year, people are a lot happier when you go, should we just do a 15-minute meeting? And you keep it at that. And so people have got used to meetings not being two hours long. So when you go, I'm going to book a meeting, I'm just going to make it 15 minutes, is that cool? And if we need another one, we can book another one. But the, and, that, and it cuts down and you actually get more productive. Because you spend less time in stupid meetings about meetings, um, so I actually think there are they've and they've these micro moments almost a bit like your you know micro that we need any more words we've had entrepreneurs yes micropreneurs that's a new everyone one everyone wants to be an entrepreneur on LinkedIn now we're all going to be micropreneurs yeah I know that's right but you know like it's exciting it's exciting to see yeah. Oh, I love it. I love, and it's just watching again. That's sort of what we talked before about watching people grow, watching businesses grow, and watching people come up with new ideas. And I think we were discussing before about bold pivots. Yeah, and the and the pivots that have meant that two otherwise opposing forces crashed together. So Microsoft launching with Headspace. So almost two opposing arenas: a technology company and someone is about mindfulness coming together for a bigger bigger picture of people actually put coming together will help people well i had to just talking about bold pivots um i've got a couple more examples here lise of stuff that i've seen in the last few weeks i think it'd be quite nice to just sort of have a get your opinion on them if you've seen them now funny enough we've you've mentioned them already actually these two agencies both of which i've admired for many years the last 20 years watching them grow and develop and they do some awesome work so you've got pearl fisher and jkr um so the two uh, it's sort of like, you can probably frame it in, in the term of burger wars I know what you. I know. What There's just. I love it. So you've got um, a few weeks back, um, Pearl Fisher's um, Burger King brand 
exercise, if you like, or, or retro rebrand was produced and it shared with the world, which looks awesome. Love it to bits. And then I guess following that um, in the quick succession, although I, do, I seem to think I've seen some of this even before the Burger King stuff was released, but JKR produced McDonald's um, rebrand Again, slightly retro, but both really clear and beautifully crafted. I mean, do they look similar? Quite possibly you could align them to sort of retro colour blocking simplicity, but bloody hell, they look good. I love looking at them. It's beautiful work, isn't it? It's interesting you mentioned because earlier this week someone shared and we have like a design chat group on Teams at work and someone had shared, oh, do you think that Burger King are copying McDonald's and McDonald's are copying Burger King? And we actually had a quite an interesting discussion to go, do you think that was strategic? Do you think they both launched it, you know, around the same time? And I'm, look, I, I actually don't think they look the same. I think there are similarities between the fact they've both gone retro. But I actually think there's also an underground trend generally at the moment of going retro because yeah. people want to remember old happy times. Nostalgia. So this yeah. is actually 2021, that nostalgic route, like you say. And then you think about the people and the, you know, the millennials and where they go, like the nostalgic times they go back to. So actually... The, the fact they've both gone retro isn't a surprise. Also, remember like, you know, like years ago when you have all the car lots are all on the same stretch so that you remember that you go car shopping and someone wins. That's so your point, if yeah. you're planting that seed in people's world, you go, burgers are the place to be right now. Have you seen all the rebrands? So, you know, like maybe there's a strategic manoeuvre in there as well to kind of raise awareness of, look, fast food is a comfort food right now. Also, that it, we're rethinking the way it is they're bringing out messages of positivity and what it represents mm. and fun they're, they're very whimsical i think in both of their approach and there's nothing serious about it it's beautiful yeah. work the, um, the pop-up stuff that mcdonald's has done as well where they've got the rainbows coming from certain landmarks as the retro post it's beautiful it's really nice really nice creative work simple solutions that give people a smile so then, again, in terms of bold pivots, you could suggest you could probably say that uh, they were both very bold in their approach and sort of pulling their um, nostalgic, oh, that's the, pulling the, pulling on the nostalgia strings, if you like. I think the other one, which I think was quite um, apt, and again, something we've discussed in the past before is, um, and certainly back in 2020, when we were talking about collision partnerships, so brand collision partnerships, so you had Lynx Africa with Marmite, uh, well, recently, and I'm sure you've seen this, so the last last week, it was maybe two weeks ago, when it sort of really launched itself onto the social media platforms, was, um, I think in terms of collision partnerships, it's 2021, up in the ante. Um, so Weetabix used to have a statement, a tagline, which went, any which way a Bix. So basically, the campaign was about, you can have your Weetabix however you like, with yogurt, with milk, whatever. Well, last week, Weetabix um, distributed an image of Weetabix with Heinz baked beans on top and questioning, would you do this? And this became a massive, massive um, campaign. As in, when I say massive campaign, it became a popular um, commented campaign. And there was so much feedback coming through that a lot of people were making statements. Companies were making sort of comments. So you had the likes of... Specsavers making comments on it. Would you do this? And they were suggesting perhaps they should go to Specsavers. Um, all the major retailers, even the police, were tweeting that it's a sort of criminal to suggest that you could combine these two things. But again, the point being is it was a masterclass, I think, in making waves in social media and what to do with not necessarily an expensive campaign. What they've actually ultimately done really well with that is they've got a form of belonging and connection in there that get people talking, that get people sharing moments. And I think in times of chaos, you draw to those moments. And so even the fact they've done a bigger picture of is it weird or is it wrong, is they've actually got people discussing and talking online in a world where we can't talk to each other. And so they've, they've actually done a really smart thing by doing it to go, yes, it's a bit weird, um, but they're creating a sense of community and belonging of their brand that, you know, it's not about going out there to be weird. It's about, because I bet there are people who've done those kind of weird things during, you know. Oh, totally. I've, I've, done, I've done work with Weetabix before and the guys there um, were telling us that they get sent in pictures of people doing all sorts of weird things. And indeed, even in different countries, I can't remember which country it was, but they use 
they turn them as biscuits and they put things on the biscuits, so a little bit of peanut butter and, or butter and then peanut butter on top and jam. And it, they use them as like a bit of toast. My mum puts um, butter and marmalade on her Weetabix. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, there we go. There we go. And so it's sort of puts just sticking your Weetabix in a bowl and sticking some milk in. That's not necessarily the way to do it. And I think that's the any which way Bix was, was that sort of campaign. But very clever and you can't help but sort of admire whoever produced that campaign I don't know who it is I think it's been a year of being it's been really exciting to be in a space that obviously our background is FMCG and packaging but actually we're looking at more campaign work and content marketing that's right there's been some great campaigns and like it takes me back to the old to like working in advertising again there's been some really great ways to integrate design and advertising and yeah some campaigns this year have been really great that's a good one um, I've, not, I've not seen the Weetabix because I think perhaps they're less popular over here. Australia have a different brand. It's called Wheat Bisques or something. Um, they're very, very similar. So Weetabix aren't necessarily as popular over there. The other interesting one I saw was TikTok and Shopify joining forces to become, it was termed as an e-commerce tool for the Gen Z gang. So TikTok for business. I mean, I wish I understood TikTok and as I don't. But the idea about two businesses just getting together to sort of help consumers grow, people, the entrepreneurs, building them up. Yeah, there's been some really great collaborations and just thinking, thinking about what people need, I suppose. And that's when we talk about passion and purpose, understanding that um, transparency and trust and respect and everything are all things that people will look for. We've said it before in, in previous podcasts that people look to brands to set the example. And the ones that do and the ones that give us a smile in our mind are even better. Um, but also even, you know, the sensibility brands, the ones that support us, that make us feel safe. I've been I've been really great. To, and that's they're the ones that will champion in 2021 and going forward, I think. The ones that support us and give us give us the belief, but also don't kind of give us a false sense of optimism. I knew I knew you'd get Elon in there somewhere. <laughs> Always, always. I, I love watching that guy grow. Did you hear what he's been doing with uh, buying up Bitcoin and boosting the market? And... And, well, and that's, if I'm honest, like he's the one who set me off on Clubhouse. Oh, okay. As well. <laughs> um, because he said that he was on Clubhouse and I heard all the hype about it. So I found it necessary to go and um, sit. I, I feel like I, I am that old granddad who has no idea what's going on. Can you tell me what Clubhouse is? I had to complete FOMO. So it's audio only chat rooms that you can be part of. So you have to be invited to be part of Clubhouse, which is an app. And then it you allow it allows you access to different chat rooms and different topics and forums. And you can go and be part of a live discussion and chat and forum group room. So look, from the ones I've dipped in and out of so far, there's some really interesting stuff on there. Just listening to people talk, but there's also a lot of junk on there as well. There's a lot of people just sitting around talking about rubbish or floating their own boat and but you know but there's also some interesting things in there as well from a creative point of view it's it's interesting to, if you go into some of the chat rooms that are from entrepreneurs or even people's motivations when we talk about passion and purpose I happened to join a room the other day and people were talking about it actually started off as one of those discussions on if you had a million dollars what would you do with it but actually then it got onto the people in the group that were entrepreneurs and they were talking about it was interesting they started to ask each other so they argue amongst themselves, well, why would you not invest it? Or why, if you only get a moment to live, why would you learn to invest? And the discussion, but the discussions as to what people would do, is quite interesting. There's, there's, all, there's all sorts of topics and content in there. You could lose hours and days and time. And I think it would be really handy if you were doing research on a certain project or for a certain type of client. You could probably find some really interesting thought points in there or you know sayings and phrases that's cool what's definitely send me send me a, a link to it i'll have a i'll have a go at it it's again I'm trying to find the time to listen to these sort of those things i'll i'll give it a go definitely give it a go and i have a don't wear your headphones in the studio even if the music's really bad so yes yeah, exactly <laughs> um, but no like it's like again it's just a medium that people buy it into and because you're part of that chat room you can put your hand up and talk at any time so again, it's feeling that sense of community. Some of the chat rooms have only got five or six people in. And it's also all around the world. So I could be awake at 3 a.m. going, oh, like I can't sleep. I could pop up to Clubhouse and end up chatting in a chat room about, I don't know, even one of our nerd topics about how the power of the mind can, you know, have you running marathons within a week and stuff, even if you've got no legs. So, you know, there's, there's different weird <laughs> topics that you can buy into. 
you're passionate and nerdy about it um there's something for everyone in there and the fact that you are it's like catching up with friends and I suppose in a world right now where and I leave Australia aside you can't catch up with friends it's giving people a sense of belonging I, I have that as one of my passions that um you know to empower people to feel as though they belong to something bigger than them um and yeah like in terms of brands like I actually thought about brands that I felt were represented passion and purpose and you've obviously got the incumbent ones like Patagonia Nike and actually Pixar was one that I thought about because I used them in a presentation today, a little a little animation about teamwork um, and everyone coming together as little tiny packs of ants being squashed by things. Um, so I thought people like Pixar as well, are, you know, there feels like a passion and people who've created something loving what they do. So passion in brand world to me comes from, actually you can tell the brands that have loved what you do. You gave Peloton as a really good example. Um, and so that's why we, you and I both love working with challenger brands or, or small companies and small brands because generally they're the ones that actually love it they've not sold out they've got a purpose and a reason they set that product up and it wasn't I mean ultimately every business needs to make money but that isn't the only motivator well it's also the initial stages of any sort of project although it's generally the quite exciting ones where you sort of you just don't quite know where it's going to go uh, and the sort of they're, they're shooting for the moon essentially so you love to love the idea about sort of a small idea a fetal idea growing to something big and gargantuan and watch and when you had young entrepreneurs or even not doesn't have to be young but entrepreneurs starting something out uh, and seeing and the, the passion and drive that they have in the initial stage is incredible you just want to capture that and bottle it somehow and keep it and maintain that that momentum Lisa, you were um, you made a really I, I had to look this up japanese phrase and am i saying this right ikigai Yes, it is the it's a concept of the Japanese reason for being. So if you Google the word ikigai, I K I G A I, yeah, I did exactly that. Um, it gives you loads of little circles that you can fill in where you talk about what you enjoy doing, what you can be paid for doing, um, what the world actually needs, and then where those things cross over, the middle bit would be all right. This is actually what I can do. This is my purpose in life, and that doesn't necessarily mean work life, and um, that can mean all sorts, but. Like I actually did it as part of the Google Rare workshops that I did last year in the chaos that was. Um, we we did kind of, and it's really interesting to see other people do theirs and understand what fuels them. And it's, it's, it's I've actually been recently doing one-to-ones with all of my team and I love hearing what everyone else gets passionate about. You know, the people that go like, I don't want to be doing the rollout work or I never get to do creative work. And then you've got other people who love doing animation or some people don't like doing strategy. And I actually love hearing everyone's deal breakers and also what what they actually enjoy doing outside of a studio. You know, get everyone to put together a Spotify list and you can learn a lot about it. <laughs> dangerous, actually. It's quite dangerous. That's when suddenly the... the uh... Sonos speakers have been switched off. Yeah, we did something as part of Google Rear where everyone had to pick a track that represented belonging to them. And the differences of tracks that people picked, maybe we can say that to the listeners, what song, track, piece of music feels like a sense of belonging to you or represents the word belonging? Because I think ultimately, and especially why, we're going to talk in a minute about why why is passion and and purpose so important right now? Because last year through everything in the air and I think when we talk about passion and, and purpose understanding your guy helps you understand that and you feel feeling a sense of belonging in a world that feels so separated right now is critical can you summarize an ikigai can someone summarize their own ikigai so for example could I, if I asked you what's your ikigai could you sort of say to me it is what my purpose is yeah to inspire others to do what inspires them which is why I kind of went, and, and ultimately it's why I also started looking at roles that were leading a team again, because I wasn't sure I wanted to go back into there again, is that I actually love working with other people to achieve a bigger goal. And, and a key guy for me is work, collaborating and working with other people. It's nice to do it by yourself, but it's nowhere near as much fun and you can achieve so much more and you can, I, you can learn much more by working with other people. So I actually, you know, like I, I might be the creative director, but I learn heaps from the people around me. And that's what I love. So my my reason to be is to grow and help other people grow. But um, what did, did, did you do on what's your ikigai, Mark? Yes, I, I did write something down here. But I think as soon as you begin to um, stop learning from other people around you, I think that's when you need to sort of park your thoughts and ideas about being a creative director. 
if if you're not learning from those around you and even that those people that you're managing but in terms of my ikigai um i think children aside um which obviously when you bring those into the mix they obviously become your life and your real your real passion deep down in your family um but and i think we've spoke about this before i think one zikigai changes as we mature and we understand ourselves better. Um, so I think if you, it may even change week by week in terms of what your reason is, reason for being. So for, I, it's, I think it's really hard to pinpoint what my reason for being actually is. And I think that's the hardest thing about doing the ikigai as well, because there, I think there are different purposes in different areas of your life. So like you say, like we're also quite, you know, family is super important to us. Like, you know, I talk about my mom every podcast and I miss her all the time. So like that's that again, as you become older, that becomes more important in the ikigai. But your purpose for being is also to support the people around you, you, you know, your children, um, your pet, your pet kitten. Or whatever it is that you've done. <laughs> and friends, don't forget. And your and you're you know, close circle of friends. Exactly. All of those connections and those kind of sense. But they ultimately help you feel a sense of belonging and a reason. They need you, you need them. And I think family definitely fits into that. guy. So I guess, yeah, you can't always sum it up in a sentence. But doing the little um, wheel thing helps you understand. Because you even, do you know what? There's a Christo video on YouTube. If you Google it, he walks through one. And even some of this, because it sometimes helps to see the tiny things that people list. You can go things that you enjoy doing. Some people put things, you know, like cooking, drawing, even down to walking down to the cafe for a coffee. But if they're even the little, because sometimes the little things that you enjoy doing become your yes. passions. I totally agree. And you don't realise you enjoy doing them until you're either they're gone or you sit and write them down. So I actually, you know, like, us, it really, weirdly, the fact that we've not done a podcast for a long time made me really conscious how much I actually enjoy our catch-ups and I enjoy our podcasts. So I became my person to go, the world is crazy and everything's really busy. When are we doing a podcast? When are we doing a podcast? You become that little annoying twitch. Um, because I actually, because not because I feel we need to do them, but I actually genuinely enjoy catching up, hearing what's going on the other side of the world and hearing someone else's opinion on our yes, world. Yes, totally. And there's, there's a little bit of research involved. It's on subjects. I mean, looking at the word ikigai, I would never even type the, those random six letters together. Doing so much work across Asia. I've been designing a brand today called Saucy Tigress. So, um, and it's for the Asian Sorry, market. Saucy Tiger, did you call Saucy it? Saucy Tigress. Because this is all about, it's all about the power of women, right? I also I also recorded today a women International Women's Day in two weeks. And I was the, I was the typical rebel creative where I actually, they said, why is it important to celebrate International Women's Day? And I said, in all honesty, it's not. What it actually is to celebrate is diversity and inclusion whether you're female male transgender androgynous any of those things it's about diversity we shouldn't really call it international women's day <laughs> it's a strange one but it, it does it sort of it bonds a lot of people together and it does showcase how far we've we've come in terms of a society it's all about making steps to become an inclusive for everyone so it actually does have a purpose but i think yeah like even that like your my key guy is to be that little rebel annoying rebel that rebel creative archetype, I think, sometimes. And I think your, your guy is to be the sensible one of the two of us. Yeah. And to um, put together a really structured... You're so much, so organised. Well, I do try. Only because it, I, I have... It's the same with most of my life. I try and keep it organised. Because I know if I don't, I get really frustrated. For example, getting up in the morning, I'll make sure the night before I prepped everything I can for the next day. So be it I prep my food, I've got my clothes ready, everything's lined up, I'm ready for the next day so I know getting up I don't have to do thinking as much I know that Steve Jobs used to talk about um well there was a discussion before about what he wears and he only ever wore those sort of sort of black sort of half turtleneck tops and a pair of jeans and white trainers so that's all I wear I don't even think about it. I know in the morning that's what I'm going to wear it's one less thing for me to think about so I've kind of I wouldn't say I follow that mantra but I certainly I'll try and do as everything I can to make sure that my life is as easy as possible and if it's terms of just making sure that there's a plan in place and I know what I'm doing and those around me know what they're doing, we're good to go. That also um, showcases what you're passionate about. So I also do the same in that I have like five outfits planned out for the week and I've got the, what they are written down on a list because I'm not a good morning person on the inside of my wardrobe. So that each day I just get up and go, I don't need to overthink this. It's them pants and that shirt or that t-shirt or whatever. Boom. And then those shoes. Yeah. And so you don't have to overthink it, but that 
to me, I'm not, I love fashion, but I'm not someone who likes to go out and spend lots of money on clothes. I'm really simple. I wear really like black and white with creative people, not much color. <laughs> so it's it's not it's actually not a passion of mine it's a it's a minimalistic thing of mine and I think the fact that you like to prepare those things makes them less of a deal breaker you know that you don't need to make a big deal out of those things they just need to be functional and done life is a bit easier right now in terms of certainly fashion fashion is an issue when you're locked at home working in a home office um maybe just brushing your hair and making sure you've got a decent top on for any t- teams calls you might be doing but that aside what goes on underneath, you know, from waist down, whatever you're wearing, no one really cares. As long as you don't have to stand up in the in the team's meeting. Um, so, Lise, I think this has been awesome. Um, so, in summary, in terms of um, why passion matters, have you got a, a roundup statement? I, ju- I just think, look, we've summarised, we've caught up on, like, what the year's been to start off with and how crazy it's been. And I get that for everyone... Um, unless you're in Australia right now, everything still feels feels a bit like it's on pause. But know that if you're passionate about something and you stick with the commitment and you keep going with it, it will come good. I think passion and purpose are two words and resilience goes in with that. And I'm looking forward to seeing how some of the brands help us embrace our own passions again this year. Like I'm looking forward to to the excitement that brings back to people and they rediscover all those things that they felt they'd lost last year. Or for the people who've bought out these bold brand pivots, where they take it. Because all of these micropreneurs, like last year, gave them the opportunity to bring out some of their passions, the year of the side hustle. Um, and we will promise not to leave not to leave it as long before the next one. No, certainly not, certainly not. Yeah, definitely. Look, we've, if anyone's got any topics or anything, we have also got a guest episode coming up, um, but we'll try and get another one in before that. So if anyone's got any ideas of what you want to hear us talk about or if you want to share stories, just ping us. Mark's, Mark's now remembered what his Instagram handle is. No, you know what? I haven't, but the best thing to do is find me on LinkedIn. To be honest, I, don't, I haven't been using Instagram um, for quite some time now. LinkedIn seems to be my go-to. So LinkedIn's the best way for me to anyone who wants to contact me. And Lisa, I know you know yours, so go for it. Oh, likewise for me, like LinkedIn is the easiest to contact me. Lisa Hastings on LinkedIn, Shoebox20 on Instagram, lisahastings.me or hellolisa at mail.com. It's all in there. If you just go to LinkedIn, you'll find it there. And I'll, I'll drop those in the show notes of this as well. And we should have a podcast website live this year at some point. Yes, I know. That's right. It's in the making. It's been great to catch up, Mark. Thanks very much for the conversation. Yeah, no worries. And thank you, Liz. Maintain that passion. Boom. Awesome. You too. Chat soon. Take care. Bye-bye.